Welcome to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Claudio and Steve will share their business and life experience to help you grow your business and improve your life. Here's Claudio and Steve. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. I am Claudio Relsano. And I am Steve Mancini. We appreciate you tuning in. You know, when we started this show, uh, the reason why we started it was uh, to have impact on our listeners, to share our stories, uh, both personal and professional. And we've been very honest and upfront, and we've gotten some great emails from you uh, telling you how much you enjoy uh, our show and the impact we've had. And uh, that's what it's all about, Steve. Amen, brother. And we've had we've some ha- great topics. And, and we have had some good topics. Not only we, we've had a, a, our own personal discussion and our guests. I think everything on here, and I believe this, if you listen to, the, to our show and when it's over, you can't tell me there's not one thing that you haven't picked up from our show. Right. And you know what? There's a lot of shows out there that may touch on the topics, maybe, but not like we do, not in depth. And, and I don't think that they share the stories as we do. And, um, I, and I listen to a lot of shows, and I don't really know of any of them exactly like this. I well, think we're, we're separating ourselves. And, because and you asked show. our guests from Italian Impact Weekly, what separates yourself as an entertainer? We separate ourselves from other shows because, as my mom used to say, never speak from the neck up, speak from the heart up, and that's what we do. Well, and not only that, but I will throw something at you because there are some good shows out there. But what I find is I've gotten a lot of feedback on the shows and what, I, what everyone says they like about them. And again... I know there are things we can do better. You can always get better. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I've gotten this feedback from a lot of people is they said, I can tell you're not reading a script. No. I said, I can't read a script. First of all, I don't have the attention to read a script. I don't have the reading skills to read. Like I could never be an elected politician because I can't read a teleprompter. I have to just shoot from the gut. There it is. And therefore, there's, you know, like an old boss used to say, you know, if you tell a lie, the problem with that is you have to remember what lie you've you have told. To have a good if you if you tell yeah. the truth, I, I'll this is the truth. There it is. So shooting from the hip means something. And if you're if you're listening to this show and if you're about to tune off, okay, but I'm gonna tell you right now, the one thing you can take away from this, just this brief intro is just be honest. If you're honest about what you're doing in anything, even if you don't know, that's another thing we tell people in the interview for jobs. If you don't know the answer, say, I don't know. It's okay. So that honesty is, I think, what we're bringing out there. I think that's something that people can can take with them. Honesty, but also we're bringing up stories that happen to us, both professionally and uh, and, uh, personally. It defines the purpose you are. And everybody's got those, but the $64,000 question is, did you learn something from your stories? Because we've got stories, you've got stories, but the difference might be, and maybe some listeners would say, no, no, no. But there are a lot of people that say, well, I never I never took anything out of that. I was just so ticked off or so happy, and I, I was over, I was done, and I moved on. I, I find a little bit of a, um, that's not necessarily a good thing to just move on. I think sometimes you do have to, okay, so let me good. evaluate that and make right. sure that good or bad does or does not happen again. I'll tell you another thing, too, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but in December of 89, I went to the old Syria Mosque in, in Oakland, which I love oh, that I remember place. that. Barry Manilow was performing. Are you and a fan of Manilow? Very much so. Heck very yeah. much so. I was like, I think, in the third row. First, second, third row. Not the first row. Second, singing third along row, the summer in New England? No. I, that's one thing I don't like when people start singing along. I didn't pay to hear you. I paid to hear him. Right? I agree with that. But anyway. He 
was singing some some love. The beginning of the show was was love songs. The second one was more uh, a biography of his career, and. And, and it wasn't too long after my mom had passed and I was still chasing my dream of being in baseball and all that. But it was as if, I don't know how many people were there that day. It was jam-packed. It was as if he was giving me advice. Just me. Nobody else. And I'd like to, and I've heard emails, I've gotten emails from, some, from people I know and some people I don't know that said, it feels like you were talking to me. And when this lady said that and this uh, guy about 44 years old said that, that's what it reminded me. Well, in theory, you are. We are talking to you. We are yeah, talking to the listener. Yeah. If you're listening to this, we're talking to you. Yeah. And by the way, were you like, you know what, that advice? You're right, Mr. Manila. I'm going to the Copa. Copa. <laughs> I met him, too. Really? I, I got to tell a quick story. Um, two, two stories. One time I did write him, and he wrote back, and I still have the letter. And he said, With this is not a sign. No, no. Oh. And he said, this is not a, an associate uh, or, or a, a, a member of my team. This oh, is really awesome. me. But anyway, so that's I remember nice, one time. Actually. It was very nice. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm driving, I'm in, De- I was going to Detroit. My little girl calls me. She was at the time, uh, maybe nine, eight or nine. She goes, daddy, how many enemies does Barry Manilow have? I said, what? How many enemies does Barry Manilow have? I said, what are you talking about? And I heard Linda say Emmys, Emmys, right? So, okay. I said, why are you asking me this question? Never mind. too late. Okay. Then long story short, they were trying to win tickets for me in Pittsburgh. So then I'm home for the contest, and the question was, name a score that Barry Manilow had written written a score to. And I said, uh, Thumbelina. And so Linda's feverishly calling uh, Channel 2, CBS, and the line's busy, the line's busy. And I said, Lynn, you're not going to get through. She got through. And they said, okay, what's the answer? Oh, I can't believe I got in. I said, answer the question, right? She said, Thumbelina, bang, we won. Okay, so we won three tickets, two tickets to the Civic Arena to watch uh, Barry Manilow. And then I wrote, uh, and then they gave us a dinner, and they were going to pick us up in a limo. I wrote one of his managers a letter. They said, we never get letters. You're going to, all three of you are going to meet him backstage. So I got to meet him, unbelievably nice. While we're back there, that was the, the week that Michael Jackson had passed. So he was getting called, his assistant was getting calls, I believe it was Liz Taylor, She's going to go by flight. She's going to be there Monday. Wait a minute. She's going to be there Sunday. She's gonna be there. It, was, it was crazy. We're witnessing this, you know. But he was incredibly nice. And it was a thrill for me to meet somebody that, you know, had who inspired me. So hopefully we're inspiring all of you too. Well, if you're going to write a song like Summer in New England. By the way, I remember when I was a kid. Yeah. This is the 70s. Yeah. And I, I remember hearing those songs. And they were I was like a little kid. And so when you're a little kid, you hear like a soft music. You're like, you don't even know what they're saying. Just like, oh, like you don't know the words. <laughs> But uh, so I, I think deep down, anybody in the '70s, they're not going to admit it. They're not going to admit. It. Just like the people that said, remember, "Remember the disco sucks yeah. crew." But yet, I guarantee you, at home, you know, they're listening. There's to, a lot of they're listening uh, to Kiss. Somebody, I was made for loving you. But, but and, you somebody know, bought like, Barry Manilow's <laughs> records. That's for sure. That's right. But uh, today's topic is, and see how we we spill our guts to you. <laughs> uh, today's topic is keeping things in perspective. And I was telling our great producer Joe Hale, uh, we had, um, as you know, I'm. People listening, I'm the head baseball coach at Carnegie Mellon University, and we lost a doubleheader yesterday, and I wasn't thrilled. Um, it was a game, it was two games we should have won, but we didn't. And, you know, at my old age, I turned 59 about a week ago. I, I'm still very passionate about coaching. I give it everything I have, I, I, I go at it hard, but I don't want to say the losses don't bother me because they do, 
I turned the page a little bit quicker than I did years ago. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think I, I put things in perspective. And, and the one thing years ago, there was a, it was a show called uh, 48 Hours. It was on uh, Channel 2. They would have different reporters uh, doing different subjects. Well, the, the subject, this is back in March of 88, Jim Valvano, who I talk about all the time. They did a piece on him playing Duke. But anyway, this one guy asked Jim, you know, is, is this important what you do? He goes, yes, it's important. No, it's not. That's just the way he said it. He hit the table. Yes, it's damn important. No, it's not important. He, and he tells his players, when you're playing, that 40-some minutes that you're playing, this should be the most important thing in the world to you because this is all that you're doing. But when it's over, you have to realize how important what you just did was. But he said he, he showed the letter. He showed the reporter a letter. Here's a letter from a, a mother that her son had recently passed away, and he was buried in an NC State uniform. And it went on to say how much he was a big fan of Jim Valvano's and NC State team. So, yeah, it's important. But at the same time, okay, we lost. Was I upset? Yes. But then, you know, you, you look at uh, people that I know who, who have recently passed away or a teammate of mine, the kid that I coached, is not doing well. You know, or even, you know, I told you I had some ceiling problems in my house. The contractor forgot to cover the one of the patches and I got I got a leak and I was upset. But there's people who have lost homes in, in tornadoes and I'm gonna get mad at a damn ceiling. Right. You know, so you know, let me ask you something though, because you, you made a good point. So when you're playing the game, it's like whenever you're doing anything, no matter what it is, you should do it at 100%. 100%. If you're doing your homework, it should be 100%. You're doing your, you know, you're taking a test, be 100%. If you're producing one of the greatest podcasts in the world like Joe Hale is doing right now, you should be doing it at 100%. Wake up. No. No. But my point is, anytime you're doing something, no matter what it is, I do believe you should be doing it at 100%. Sure. But you know what? At the same time, let's, let's use youth sports just as an example. You know, you tell them, like I'm saying now, it's like a kid, you should you should be doing this 100%, give it all. But at the same time, are there things that you don't want them to take certain things too serious? Like, like how do you draw the line between work, put everything into it, but at the same time, don't take it too serious? And I, and I, After what, the game, you well, say that. Well, I, I'll, I'll give you, it's funny, I'll give you a good example. I had an old boss used to say this to me. He would say, you know, your life is not your job. And it's kind of funny because it's your boss saying that, but he was a very balanced person. He understood family life. But, you know, so he wasn't going to twist your arm because, like, like, he would say, listen, what we do isn't life or death. You know, so, so work hard, but at the same time, that's not your life. That's not who you are. So, I'm, you know, I'm kind of wondering how, how, do you, how do you balance it? Like, then what is that important? You know, again, if it's not life or death, I mean, is anything that important? But, but that doesn't detract from the fact that you should still, when you're doing something, do it at 100%. Take pride in what you're doing. Right. Which care. Is, which is care long gone these days. I have, I have two rules for my team. Number one, don't disrespect me. Number two, care for the program. That's it. So while you're there, you don't talk about, like if we're losing three to one, you don't tell the guy, well, hey, you know what? But no, you take you save that for after the game. Herm Edwards, and I've, I've said this numerous times, he coached in the NFL for the Chiefs and the Jets. And uh, he coached at um, Arizona State. Uh, he's a brilliant ESPN announcer. But anyway, or broadcaster. I said if I had a son who played college football, he's the only coach I'd send him to. But anyway, his father and him were very close. I believe his father was killed in a car accident. And he said very to the point, he said, after that, nothing will ever shake me. 
Nothing. Now, he's lost games, and he, he handled it. Um, but he, there's a difference between being shaken versus caring. Well, I, 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 he cares about winning and losing. But he's not going to go – you think he's not going to go you – know, and, and I'll tell you something else, too. Fans, I think, after a – just a college football game, a pro football – or a college sports, pro sports, I think fans take it harder than the uh, players do. I don't understand that, but I, but I agree with you. I mean, you see them crying, and I'm like, yeah. how did this change your life? Yeah. Win or lose, if your team wins or loses, do you still have to get up and go to school or work tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you won a million dollars at the casino on a game, on a bet, that's probably the only way that really makes a difference to your life. You know, and people say this one particular guy, I guess they call him influencers, but he said there's no such thing as balance, and, and I disagree with that. Mm. Um, but I absolutely I, disagree with that. I, I go at it extremely hard, and, and I'm very passionate about it. But uh, again, I, I and I want my team to go at it. I always say if we're up 10, score 11. If we're down 10, score 11. I don't want a family member, a friend, or, or anybody coming to a game watching our performance and say they're winning or losing. Just play hard. Go at it. All right? But when it's over, if you lose, if you lose, you don't talk about it during the game, of course, you do put things in perspective, you know, or even just life itself. Like I told you about a ceiling. And, you know, how I, I kind of – not to bring up bad things, but like 9-11. If you think about it, and, and you know, people act the way they behave the way they behave. Maybe some people might be, you know, try to act big time, or not that those people were. But let's just say at 8.30 a.m., you have a successful 28-year-old single guy talking to a 30-year-old successful single guy who worked at the, at the uh, Twin Towers, one of the towers. What do you want to do after work today? Well, let's go to this new hotspot. You know, what they call it, happy hour. Oh, yeah, that's great. 20 minutes later, all hell breaks loose. And they have to make a decision, you know, do I jump out of this 40-story? So I try to put things in perspective, how quickly life can change, put things in perspective. Um, you know, I told my sister-in-law, had she fought unbelievably hard pancreatic cancer a year and eight months. She was 60 years old. For me, I have a little bit of a sore throat today. I'm a bitch about a sore throat. You know, I know you wouldn't even, stop for 20 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, I'm but, but I'm saying, you know, you, you do put things in perspective, you know. Right. Or, well, it, or even it, my, it is it, life or death is the one that always gets people to wakes them up. I believe that. I remember, my, again, if I'm going through something, I look back when my mom was sick or when my dad was sick and, and how hard it was for me. I say, oh, this is nowhere near that. You know, so again, you try to put things in perspective. And not that what you're, not, what you're going right. through is not important because it is. But you... And, and I got to say this before. There, there was, um, there was uh, a guy named Frank Mir. I, be, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, M-I-R. He's an MMA guy. And a guy who I hope to have on our show, Paulie Malignaggi, former two-time world boxing champion. They were talking about when something happens in life. Frank Mir was fighting. He got hit in the temple, kind of got dizzy, and the guy put a, a move on him called, I believe, a guillotine. He said, okay, so what do I do? Do I just tap out and get emotional about it? He's going to knock me out or calm down. Put it in perspective. Don't attach emotion to it and solve it like a problem. Okay, first thing we'll do is kind of move my neck a little bit and, you know, hit his leg and flip him over. And Pauli Malignaggi said, again, when you, if you attach emotion to something, it clouds your judgment. Oh, yeah. You get the so, tunnel vision. What, I'm sorry? You get the tunnel vision. Yeah, so, so remove emotion from it, put, put things in perspective, uh, calm down. And Frank Mir said, you know, handle it like a math problem, piece by piece by piece, and he got out of the hold. 
Well, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. And that's the problem is, is the, in society today, Steve's opinion, in society today, we do not challenge people because we don't want people to be uncomfortable. We want to make it comfortable for them. And the problem is, is then when something, when something uncomfortable happens, they don't know how to get out of that situation. That's why if you go to military training, if you go to police training, if you go to anything, you know, firefighter, they try to put you in situations that are stressful on purpose because your body, your brain will adapt. It will learn, okay, hey, I know what stress is. I know how to handle this. And you don't get the tunnel vision. You don't get the reactors. Oh my God, I panic. I don't know what to do. It's like, think about, you know, I was flying back yesterday from Kansas City. And when I was sitting there, I'm looking at the stewardess, you know, and, and you know, nice, and they're dressed up, and they're being, being very polite. It was, it was a very good flight. And, you know, she sits down to buckle herself in. And I'm thinking, and I was literally thinking, I wonder what kind of training they had to do. Because I had went to uh, air crew school in um, Pensacola. Long story, I'm not an air crewman. But suffice to say, I know what the training is. So I'm thinking they've got to do something similar for the stewardesses because what a lot of people don't know is if something happens on the aircraft, they're basically, for lack of a better term, the traffic cops that got to yeah. get you off. They got to get you prepared for a crash. They got to tell you, hey, get your get your you know your life vest on if we're going into the water. Whatever it is, if they're panicking, you're going to panic, right. and then it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> right. But if they're calm, just like if you go to a fire, you know, you go to a scene that the firemen are running around like, oh my god, I don't know what to do. You're like, oh my God, my house, you know, but if they're like, yeah, calm down, get out of there, let's get a hose up here, let's do it. Because I actually, I actually did some firefighting stuff when I was back in my Navy days. But, you know, or, or special forces guys, they go through intense training. Why? Because I know I'm sending you in to probably the worst place in humanity is living right now to do some of the worst jobs. What I can't have you doing going in there, I'm tired, I don't want to be here, I didn't sleep last night, you know, my coffee's cold. Like, no, you're, it, that's nothing. And, and it's not... And I'm not trying to be mean to people that can't differentiate between real problems because your problem. That's the word differentiate. That's right. It's, it's your problem is relative to you as a person. Yeah. And, and I think you want to take something out of the podcast. Here it comes. If you want to see life differently, then you have to get out of your comfort zone and you have to learn how to function in an uncomfortable place because everybody talks about public speaking we've talked about it i'm afraid of public speaking everyone says then how do you get over that do you not speak in public well, i don't want to do it well then you might be missing opportunities go join a toastmasters go do something that puts you in front of people over and over and over again but before it be so that it becomes a i've done this a million times it's what we used to call muscle memory right you know, you just do it. In fact, you see it as a baseball coach. I see it as a hockey coach. Just do the same thing over and over and over and again. And in a game, you're not thinking. In life, you're not thinking. World Trade Center, there's police officers and firefighters. You know, I'm only mention this because you use the example. Sure, sure, sure. Where are they running? Are they running away? Let's get the hell out of here. No. no. They're running into it because they're, they're trained. They're going, okay, something bad's happening. We've got casualties. We've got to get in there. We've got fires. We've got to get in there. Elevators are out. We've got to move, 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 move. It's training. And the thing is, anybody can function like that. Mm -hmm. You've just got to train yourself. And when you train yourself, now, now let's bring it home now. When you train to operate in an uncomfortable position, when you are placed in uncomfortable you know, positions, now you can put that into perspective and say, okay, I've been here or something similar before. 
I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to go home and hide under the sheets. I'm going to be like, okay, this is bad, but I've seen worse or I've trained yeah, for worse right. or whatever. I'm aware of worse and I'm not going to lose it. Again, perspective and 1987. Let me, let me start over my dad who I adored my dad. My dad, I can't say one bad thing about my dad, zero. But um, his mom, my, he, he wanted to be a history teacher. His mom, my grandmother got sick at age 52 and passed away. He quit school to raise his two brothers. So there goes the history teacher. Went and worked in the mill, worked very hard, had a landscape business uh, part-time, got married, was very happy, was on his way to things. His, his first wife passes at age 32. Then, to this day, I don't know what happened, but my sister got into an accident, um, and she, she, and this was something that was never talked about in my house at all. So, but my sister, my dad comes home from the mill, and she was on fire. And I don't know what happened to this day. You mean like literally yeah. on fire? and my dad opens a door, jumps on her, and he saves her. Now, she was scarred, but, you know, he saved her life. Then... Um, my dad, who used to go to Italy every five seconds, was told he had emphysema and uh, he was going to go blind from glaucoma. Then he developed a fear of leaving the house. Okay, he, he couldn't leave past our hedges. Now, thank God he never got glaucoma or um, emphysema. He would say that it was due to my prayers, but I, I agree. But, but he still had that phobia for years. He, he got out of it eventually, pretty much. And then my mom passes at age, she was only 48. And then my dad had some other health issues. My dad got one shot after another, one shot at, but he kept coming back. So in 1987, I was a shortstop for the Aliquippa Celtic Reds, semi-pro team. I made three consecutive errors, okay, consecutive. And I remember looking at my mom on the, on the bench, and she just kind of smiled and shrugged her shoulders like, you know, Forget about it. But I didn't forget about it. On the way home, uh, I remember saying to myself, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm lousy. I'm not, you know, three years in a row. So fast forward to 1995 or 94, 94. 47 errors later. Yeah, 47 errors later. <laughs> That's why I coach. So I, I remember I, I, my dream wasn't happening. Nothing was coming to fruition. Nothing. I said, I'm going to quit. I'm done. I'm going to get a job somewhere and pack it in. So how am I going to tell my dad? After all that, because I was getting a few rejections, because I made a few errors, you know, after everything that he went through is what I'm trying to say. I was going to quit in 87, but how can I go and tell my dad, I made three consecutive errors, I'm done. Errors. <laughs> you know the hell I went through right. and I didn't quit. That's what I said. It always takes a life or death. Seems to yeah. be nothing that wakes people so up. So I, I didn't quit. And in 94, I, I wrote a letter to Vinny Paz, Vinny Pazienza, and telling him that I was going to quit. I said, how can I tell this guy who broke his neck, was paralyzed, had screws uh, screwed into his head, and he comes back and he wins three more world titles, okay? How am I going to tell him, oh, I'm getting rejected, I'm down, right? I put it in perspective. My dad, all the hell he went through, he didn't give up. So you put things in perspective. One more thing, Tug McGraw, the old, and I, I believe I said this before on this show, he was a Philadelphia Phillies a reliever. I, I don't know what when it was. It was a big, important game. Bases loaded. He comes in the pitch. And who's he going to face? Willie Stargell. And he says, oh, my God, if I give up a home run, we're going to – and then he said, wait a minute. In about 120 years, nobody's going to even remember who that this moment happened. And he felt better about it. 
He still gave up a grand slam, but he felt better about it. You do play, I don't want to say you play tricks with your mind, but you play tricks with your mind. What you're going through, the ceiling I'm upset about. My, my damn car, who I love that car. It's got a I know, I of, caught you hugging it the other day. And you, you're on film. Yes, <laughs> and, and it has a little leak in it, the ceiling, something with me and ceilings. Am I upset about it? Yeah, I'm very upset about it. Am I going to have to pay some money? Is it the to end get of the world, first? though? It's no. not the end of the world. And there's worse things. So what? you say to yourself, what could be worse? Well, this could be worse. That could be worse. I told you my sister-in-law, you know, and she handled it big time. I mean, she really did. And and I don't know if I could handle it like that. Uh, hopefully I won't have to find out. But life is about putting things in perspective fighting it don't get too emotional about it figure out a game plan and moving on and if you want to call it playing tricks with your mind go ahead but whatever works well I, and i will say this for, again folks listening you don't have to go through bad things in life and we're not saying hey you have to look at everything bad so you can appreciate how good you have it i think i do think there's a balance in life i don't and you're never i don't care who you are you're never going to not have something unless you're just absolutely cold and emotionless you're not you cannot escape something in your life that's going to hurt you you can't even if it's something a, a, a relative passing you know someone passes away a friend passes away you know maybe you didn't get the promotion you don't you, you didn't get the job you applied for this you want you know whatever it is there is something that's going to come into your life that's going to stir up the waters you cannot avoid it and all we're saying to you is this. Don't lose sight of what that really means at the end of the day. And, and I hate to say it like this. It could be important, but it's not the end of the world. Even for you, it's not the end of the world. No matter what it is, even if you say, well, you don't understand, it's terminal, and I'm, and I'm going to die in six months. Understood. But you know what? What are you going to do with the six months? Because you can't control that if you can't control that and I think that's one thing and I still struggle with this a little bit and I'm and I'll admit this I still struggle you know, what's that old prayer that says you know Lord give me the strength to control to know the you know to control the things I can control to let go of the things I can't let go and then have the wisdom to know the, the, the you know the difference between them right. so I still struggle with that saying listen if I can't control this don't let it bother me well it affects me even if it affects me I can't let it bother me because there's nothing I've I can do about it. I've been working on that lately. It's funny you say that. And I'm that. still guilty of that a little bit. But my point, though, is where the wisdom piece comes in is understand if you can't control it, even if it is the, the worst thing in the world, I'm getting audited by the IRS, there's nothing you can do about it. Losing your mind over it does not change the situation. It just means you lost your mind over it. So, again, what, what are we trying to tell you is don't lose your mind over these things. Don't. Don't let them affect you to where, you know, you can't see straight because you're so blinded by emotions. It doesn't mean you can't have emotions. It doesn't mean when someone dies, you can't grieve for them. What it means is you are still here and you still have a purpose and you need to figure out what that is and you need to keep going forward. Doesn't mean you can't let things bother. You know, to your point, Claudio, hey, the, the ceiling's leaking. I would be pissed. And you have every right to be pissed, but at the same time, it's not like you're not. You shouldn't be losing sleep and tossing and turning. And oh, I mean, if, you know, there was a time in my life where I would have been, and I still am because I think I'm a little um, OCD. If things aren't always in order before I go to bed, I I will toss and turn over things, mm -hmm. even things that I cannot possibly control. 
And, and that's the things that we've got to work on as people is let it go. It's not the end of the world. It's kind of what we're talking about, the old uh, movie, cheer, old TV show Cheers. And I think I'm, I may have used this analogy before. Sam Malone was going to do an interview with uh, the actor, the Fred Dreyer. And all of a sudden, you know, he was all excited again. Hey, I'm going to be back in the news. I'm back in the papers and all that. Then as Fred Dreyer is interviewing him, one of his uh, partners said, hey, McEnroe wants to talk. And he, he, he pulls the interview, pulls the mic from Sam Malone, Ted Danson, and he leaves him. And he feels embarrassed. He says, oh, don't worry about it. Said, no, I'm good. Everything's fine. He goes in the back room, and Diane, his girlfriend, is trying to give him examples of you know, things that happened to her in her life to kind of put things in perspective. Right. But then he said something that I'll never forget, and I try to live by it. He said, Diane, I know what you're saying, and I appreciate it, and tomorrow I'm going to be okay. But for tonight, I'm going to feel bad. Back to Jim Valvano. After a big loss, he told his team, I don't know how much he listened to himself, but he said, 24 hours. You think about it for 24 hours. As soon as it's over, that's it. And, and, and I think he did that. And that's something that I didn't do years ago. I do it now. Does that mean I care less? No, it means I've grown up right. a little bit. And I do put things in perspective. Plus, at age 59, I, I went through a lot years ago too, but I've been through more. And you compare things. I'm still very fiery. I'm still, you know, but I look at the 23-year-old coach, was my first year as a head coach, or the 25-year-old coach, how I was, as opposed to the 59-year-old guy. And I just... I, I'm still very passionate about it, and more so now maybe than then because now there's more riding on it because now I have a family. Back then, I didn't have that. But now I handle it differently. I put things in perspective. Well, that should be, and that should be a wisdom that we all have. When we get older, you should be able to like, all right, you know, I care, but I'm not going to, I mean, what can I, move on. Jerry you know? Cooney, one of our guests, right. he had a great line. He said, you could look at the rearview mirror, but don't stare. At which I love that oh, line. Or you're going to crash. Yeah, but and you're going to keep thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking. Not that it doesn't enter in sometimes, but again, perspective. Well, and it's human an nature. Thing. To your point, though, it will enter in because it's human nature. Yeah. But the question is, is, are you going to let it burn you up? Are you going to right. let it? Are you going to let it just eat you up inside? At some point, you got to just move on. This, well, what, what this goes into even deeper questions where you're forgiving people that have hurt you. All of this stuff, all it, it is all cut from the same cloth because it is all about perspective mm -hmm. and saying, I'm not, like, not going to let that bother me. You know, my brother, I, I give him credit. He has a very good habit of just, you know, eh, don't worry about it. Like, just doesn't seem to let things. Meanwhile, I'm like wringing the hands and grinding the teeth on stuff. And, you know, whether it's somebody said this or did this. But don't you know what they said? What, you know, what are you going to do about it? But, 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 you know, but what are you going to do about it? My dad Bring your hands. did <laughs> let, did let, because he got, you know, some people he cared for nailed him pretty good. And, and it hurt him. Again, I, but he, he carried it with him. I, I just, I, I guess I, I carry it with me too, and I don't forgive easily at all. And That's an Italian I mean, thing, by the way. Oh yeah, I think is. we hold on to, because yeah. I'm the same but way. But it doesn't bother me. I'm doesn't, trying to say things don't bother me. I'm trying to let it go, but I'm going, I know this oh, bothers yeah. me. Well, no, I admit it, but I, I try not to let it eat at me, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, you're, I might you're not, not losing sleep over something yeah, that screwed you over. I, I might not, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like him or her, whoever it is, but it doesn't, you know, uh, grind at me, whereas my dad, it would grind at him, you know. But again, I maybe I just tend to put things in perspective. But now, now, whenever I tell him, hey, Dad, you went through hell compared to what this is, then he would say, you know what, you're right, you know. Right. But I, I do have to tell you a quick story. One time, um, my dad and I were going to John Eagle, I'll never forget, November of 2001. I remember like- uh, First of all, real quick, I don't know 
how you have the memory for all of the dates. I mean, you got that. It was, it was a cold day. It was a Tuesday. It was raining. I think there were three beer cans on the floor, and I was talking I about But Because you, you got the names of people, dates. I mean, I am impressed. I just want to say that on the air, officially, uh, I am impressed. Thanks. Go ahead. So we're driving to John Eagle, and he, I never forget. My dad was only 5'5", five, five, but he had these big, thick hands. He reached over, and he grabbed my hand. He said, I've never been so happy in my life. I said, why? He said, Claudia, I couldn't have asked for a better son than you. He said, you've accomplished, you know, baseball-wise what me and your mother always wanted you to do. And you married a great girl in Linda. And my God, Ida, my daughter. I, my, he said, my face is sore at night from smiling from that little kid. He said, I'm just so happy. I said, yeah, all the bricks are on my shoulders now. And we chuckled. But then I said, Dad, but you know what, though? You know, Grandma passed away young. Mary passed away young. My mom passed away young. You had all these health issues. You had this person. He said, well, hell, I was happy till you brought all that up again. <laughs> he didn't talk to me the rest of the day. You know? Stasi. But I, I got, you know, we'll finish up with this story. John Calipari has a story whenever he gives a speech. He said um, his sister, Terry, was, was at uh, Penn State. And she, I'm going to try to get this story right. She sends a letter. They're at the dinner table, and the father opens up the, uh, the mail. And so it's a letter from Terry. So he opens it up. He reads it. He says, I just want to let you know that um, uh, the, the books that, that I bought, uh, they cost X amount of dollars, but um, uh, the, the, my, my, uh, my room caught on fire. So we're okay, though. The books are gone, and I'm okay. But I'm staying with Joe, and Joe's a great guy, and you'll love meeting him, and you'll love meeting your new grandson. And, like, Mr. Calipari's reading it. Grandson? I just sent you off to Penn State. What are you talking about? Your house burned down. You're staying with this, this guy, Joe, and you have a grandson, and you're married. And then she goes on to, 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 to do all that. And then she says, uh, by the way, Dad, um, I didn't have a great semester at Penn State, keep things in perspective, you know. And it, John tells it much better than me, but you get the idea. Oh, yeah. She told him the, the, this catastrophe that happened, and then she gave him the truth. Those things didn't happen to her, but then she told him, I didn't have the greatest of semesters. Or no, maybe she, he, she needed more money, something along those lines. Oh, yeah. But you put things in perspective. That's right. And, uh, and it's hard. It's not easy. You know, we can joke about it, but there's been things in our, at times in our life that things have happened that we didn't put things in perspective. We tried. And again, at my older age, I think I'm getting a little bit better at it. And what you said about things that I can control, uh, I'm a work in progress, which is good, right. which is good. I'm trying. Oh, we all I'm are. You, we sh you know what? We should be. Yeah. If anyone's happy with themselves, that means they're not growing. No. And if you're not growing, you're not getting better. And you'll be stale as a person. You and one thing I do have to say, I, I mention these names because I try to study people. I'm in the sports world, so I study these guys, not just what they do on the court or in the boxing ring or in the baseball field, because they're humans. And they go through things, too. And that's kind of the things I'm interested in. So I listen to their stories, and I try to learn from them and or the things that I've been through or, you know, or, or my dad or my mom. Well, it's or also about like discerning. That. You know, you want to you want to study good people because you want to discern what is the secret of their stuff. What what made that person yeah, tick? Because yeah, they exactly. were they were very successful exactly. at this, and in a lot of cases they were successful after the thing that they're most successful mm -hmm. for. That's why you know we've had some guests on here and on Italian Impact Weekly, and it's like, so what you do after your career? And you're like, wow, they did all of that, right. but people don't follow that. All they remember is what entertained them. Right. Oh, they were a great boxer. They were a good ball player. But you know what? More, their more success came after they retired 
from that six, eight, ten years of their right. life. And you know, so discerning the, the secrets of people's success and discerning how people got through tough times. Because, and everybody goes through. That's it. right. Nobody, everybody you cannot escape it. it. How, how do some of the things for, for me? I'll read certain things like Dr. Robert Schuler was one of the TV pastors. He wrote a great book, um, tender minded, tough minded faith for tender hearted people and uh, tough times never last, but good, uh, good people do. So those books come as like this big thick book. And I, I read it a lot, music, movies sometimes, but something to help me get through, but especially that book, uh, Joel Osteen, I listen to him. People, I, I like him. Um, but so those are things that I do. He, he's more like a positive motivational right. speaker because I've right. heard him too. Yeah. I, 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 I will do that. I, I, I'll pray a lot. I'll think a lot and try to get over whatever situation I'm in. What do you do? That's a good question. I think that's where some of the chaos in my mind comes from because I have a bad habit of trying to work too many things out on my own. Only in the last year or two have I learned to reach out to others mm -hmm. and say, um, you know, hey, you need a little help here, you know, or again, to kind of study and read things. For years, reading to me was about entertainment. It wasn't about, hey, I'm going to read that. I mean, short of school books, but I mean, just regular, what I'll call, you know, laying in bed at night type reading. It was all just like, I want to read something I'm going to enjoy. I've never, probably not about two years ago, started reading books. I don't want to say self-help books, but books that had a message and a theme of something exactly. to make you a better right. person. Right. Probably not the last two years. So now I, I do find myself listening a lot more to different um, you know, speakers and actually reading a lot more. Yeah. And uh, you get something on it, but, but talking to people, but, I, but again, I've said this before, you know, I, I won't take advice from people who aren't in a place that I don't want to be. So if someone's completely screwed up, it's like, yeah, thanks for your advice. I'll keep moving along here. But if somebody has got it together and whatever, that, whether it's emotional, whether it's professionally, I'm like, I'm going to listen to the advice of the person I think is doing well. Mm -hmm. And I find myself doing that a lot more. But I, <laughs> but I will tell you, you're kind of inspiring me in a little way that I... I probably should start reading a lot more biographies of people. That's where I, I don't do a good job right or now. Or even, even on YouTube, interviews. Right. Uh, because these guys, I mentioned Jerry. Jerry's done some great interviews. And you see on our show, you ask, you say hello to him, and he runs with right. it. You know, he's very Well, passionate. that was a really good interview. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope people appreciated that because that was a very good interview. And I, and I tell you what, I learned a lot from, from Jerry Cooney in that 30-minute that span. Yeah. I mean, I was, to be honest, I was kind of impressed. Like, you don't think he's a deep guy like that. Oh, he's very. I mean, yeah. and then you're, you're like, wow, you know, he did a lot after he retired. Or even whenever he, yeah, I, the last one. question I asked him, what, what's next for you personally and professionally? Then he, and he said something that stuck with me. My dad, he said, my dad was 61 when he passed. I'm 55. And he said, I'm going to go boating. I'm going to spend time with my kids, my wife, and do things, my grandkids. Because you don't and know when God's going to hit the smite button. You don't know. You don't know. I mean, I'm sure Chris is going to make it a lot longer. And again, it's not, and it's not to dramatize things. No. But I, but I really do believe. Right. Put it in perspective. We only got X amount of years on this life. And by the way, one final thought. I was just having a conversation yesterday with some folks. And they and I said, you know, a lot of people say, oh, when you die, you're never going to say, I wish I'd worked more. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that because there's different kinds of work. Sure. I don't want to ask her this. So I didn't do anything. I just sat on the beach all day. I kind of think that's a waste of life. Does that mean I won't take a vacation and sit on a sure. beach once a while? Of course not. Of course I'll do. We all need downtime. But I want to have meaning in life. And meaning in life for me is doing and, and whatever, you know, talents the good Lord gave me. It certainly ain't physical, 
because I'm so banged up right now. I mean, all that walking this weekend. But, I mean, whatever talents I have, I want to use them to the full capacity yeah. because I don't know when God's going to hit the smite button. And that's the perspective we've got to look at. You've got to say whatever you need to discern, what you think you're good at at life, and go into it. And don't put an artificial timeline on your life. Well, I've got to do this by this age. I have to do that. You just let it roll the way it rolls. If you're waking up every day, go, thank you, good Lord. You know, because that is a gift right there. People don't appreciate that. We go, we, we sleep on the fact, pun intended, that waking up is expected. I could introduce you to a lot of people that are afraid they're, they're probably not going to wake up tomorrow. Yeah. And I could certainly point you back to people that didn't wake up on sure. a day. Just start there. Gratitude. Put your life in your pers- in perspective. Just Gratitude. wake up yeah. and go, wow, I'm alive. Yeah. Right there is your gift. Now start the day off right. Well, we share it again from the heart up. That's, maybe we should name that show. Uh, I know. We should be like Ralph. Should have renamed Have it. six shows, Ralph. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but you do it. God bless him, man. Oh, he yeah, he's going. the best. He's the best. All right. Well, we hope you got something out of it. Again, impact. We hope we uh, have impacted your life, both personally and professionally. We have a lot more shows to do, a lot more topics to cover. But as always, we appreciate you listening. Any comments, you can send them my email at rosano16 at msn.com or uh, questions at italianimpactweekly.com. But uh, we may set up uh, an email for this show. But, again, we hope that we are having impact on you and you're enjoying the show. And, again, if you want to catch any of the episodes, go out to crsmmedia.com. And we're also uh, offering you the opportunity if you want us to host it, a little different than some of the other folks that are out there hosting sites because we want to actually advertise, publicize, and help you develop your program itself. So it's not we're not just going to, like, have you send us an MP3 and we'll just push it up on the website. We'll actually work with you on that. So there's a lot more to that. But again, reach out to us if you have any questions at questions at italianimpactweekly.com because we love that email. It gets a lot of email. We just enjoy reading it. But uh, go out and check out the site, crsmmedia.com. And thank you again. And Claudio, as always, last word, please. Thank you for listening to the show. And again, thank you, Mom and Pop. Thank you for listening to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Tune in next week for more impactful business and life experiences with Claudio and Steve.